Thrive, flourish, unleash your buried treasure. This is the Exponentially Empowered Podcast with Joel Bine. Through conscious action and authentic self-connection, empower yourself to write your own script. Hey, it's Joel. want to let you know that we're going to wrap up Season 1 of Exponentially Empowered with this episode, Episode 17, which is an interview with Katie Testa, a nonviolent communication trainer. I think this is going to be very valuable to you if you're interested in understanding your self-talk and developing a better relationship with self. So yeah, I've been off the past three weeks or so after 16 weeks in a row doing the podcast. Uh, I've been busy. I just founded a new organization called the New Orleans Chamber Players. So that's been one of my projects that makes me come alive. And we had our debut concert last night. So things were crescendoing towards that concert. And so I decided to take the exponentially empowered pot off of the stove for a few weeks. And I decided heading into summer, we'll just close out season one. There will definitely be a season two. I enjoy this podcast. It brings me satisfaction. It brings me fulfillment. I enjoy articulating my ideas and I hope that it's valuable to you. So do stay tuned for season two. Looking forward to it. Uh, I have a very exciting guest, Katie Testa. Katie Testa uh, is a certified nonviolent communication trainer through the New York Center for Nonviolent Communication. She's also founder and executive director of Metro Detroit Nonviolent Communication, or NVC. Uh, she provides training, mentoring, coaching, public speaking, and consulting services internationally. She's also part of the New York Center NVC leadership team. She enjoys sharing this unique peace making peacemaking skill set and consciousness with anyone who is motivated to learn, empowering them to connect more deeply and authentically with both themselves and others. So we love those two words, empowerment and authenticity. And I would say when I met Katie a couple of years ago, uh, she came across and she is one of the most authentic people I've ever met. So I'm really um, grateful to have this chance to discuss NVC or nonviolent communication with her and we're specifically going to work to link this with self and our theme of investing in oneself. So uh, Katie, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, Joel. I'm so touched by your your comment about my authenticity. Um, I feel so excited to, to talk with you about, yeah, about NVC and uh, self-empowerment and I'm just excited to be here. Wonderful. I want to uh, ask what inspires you on a daily basis in teaching NVC? Because what we talk about often on the show is fulfilling, uh, pursuing a fulfilling life and doing what makes you come alive. And mm -hmm. so uh, why does NVC make you come alive? <laughs> well, I could ask you a question. What, what, is, what would you call somebody who doesn't have needs? Who doesn't have needs? Uh, yeah. A dead person? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so I love to ask that question because for me it points out like that in a sense you could say means that needs are kind of like life or life's impulses moving through us in a sense. And um, and so from a nonviolent communication standpoint, that's kind of the core principles that everything we do, we do to meet a need. And once we have the awareness that everything we do, we do to meet a need, we can get clarity about what those needs are. And then we can more effectively choose strategies to fulfill those needs in a way that's more authentic, more integrated with what we really want and um, kind of transcends uh, what 
the culture has kind of taught us maybe implicitly around, around, um, how to be alive by doing what we should be doing or what we shouldn't be doing or doing the right thing or doing something to be a good person in someone else's eyes, as opposed to connecting with these needs, which are universal. And, and for me, when I'm focusing on those those things like clarity or effectiveness or harmony or support or freedom, all of these things are needs or values. I feel more alive. I, I have a sense of flow and presence and engagement mm. in my body that's very different than if I'm connected to something like a judgment thought or, or how I should be. Well, let's flesh it out a bit um, for the listener who, who has never heard of NBC. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll go ahead and give my, I'll give my understanding of it and then you can fill in the details perhaps. Um, so the basic framework of, of NVC is observations, feelings, needs, and requests. So it's this methodology of communication either with another person or yourself that starts with, with observations. So you're observing the facts of of the situation, observing the facts of reality in a non-judgmental way, just saying, this is happening, I'm noticing this. Um, and then you go on to the feelings of that. So, so let's take an example like you walk into your apartment and you, you notice that when you, when you open the door, you feel and you, you look into the apartment and you see various objects on the floor and on the couch and on the on the table and you feel frustrated and angry and indignant because you're not meeting a need for serenity and and calm and clarity because you see what you would consider a mess in your apartment maybe your roommate did it maybe somebody else did it maybe you did it earlier but the point (laughs) is you you observe that you open the door and you observe your feelings. The facts of the situation are when you see these things on the floor, you feel this frustration. And, and then you can move on to that third step, which, which is needs and understanding why you feel these things. Coming to a, Becoming curious about why the feelings arise. So you want, you want things to be serene in your apartment. You want to have inspiration that comes from having a tidiness in your apartment. Um, and so that, that, that goes on to the last step, which is requests or strategies. And you, once, you've, once you've gone through these first three steps, you can determine what the next action is. And maybe that's making a request with somebody else, maybe your roommate, or a request with yourself. Okay, now that I've gathered the facts of the matter and why this is happening, why this is coming up for me, these feelings, what can I do? And perhaps it's is have a make a, a specific request about maybe you ask your roommate uh would you be willing to to put away the you know clean clean the kitchen after you finish dinner tonight i don't know something like that maybe that's maybe you can clarify that for us more katie mm-hmm. yeah i think uh you provided a pretty clear little overview um for me there's, I can give kind of like points on each of those four things. One with like observations. Um, what's helpful for me is to remember a couple of things. Like one, we have five senses and you know, that we can use to perceive things. And if we stick to those five senses and our observations or something that a video camera could also capture, and then another person might be able to observe and, have a shared sense of reality when I convey it in the way that I'm conveying. Um, That's really helpful. As opposed to, like, I would compare that concept of observation to evaluations or interpretations or the stories that we tell ourselves about what's happening. Like, for example, when you open the door and you're like, this place is a mess. That's what you're telling yourself, but it's not actually an observation because a mess to somebody you know, person A might not be a mess to person B. Um, 
Or, you know, kind of like you said, it could have been you that made the quote unquote mess. So maybe in that moment it wasn't a mess, but later you experience it that way. So if you can bring it to the to the observation place and say, yes, I see these five objects on the floor and then switch that observation to your internal experience of that, both observing your thoughts and identifying them as thoughts and separating them from what's actually happening, but also observing your your feelings or your sensation experience and then bringing this understanding that feelings arise not as a result of what's happening to us or what other people do or say or or what the specific situation is but the feelings arise as a result of how fulfilled our needs are or not so when our needs are really fulfilled we generally feel you know pretty happy, um, excited, joyful, engaged, inspired, or maybe relaxed or calm. But then if our needs aren't met, you know, you'll bring in more tension, anxiety, sadness, fear. Um, and so there's this correlation between our feelings, how we feel and the metness of our needs. And if we can bring awareness to that, we can kind of unhook or liberate ourselves from this idea that what happens to us, um, you know, like our feeling experience is kind of out of our realm of control, if you will, that it's up to what other people do or what happens to us. And so they're not really useful. Whereas if you understand that our feelings are directly connected to our needs, either being met or unmet, then all of a sudden we have, you know, full control. Like we have this whole little realm of us that we can, then, you know, set our minds and hearts to to fulfilling these needs in order to shift our our feeling experience into something that is more fulfilling. Let's flesh out a little bit on the, on the feelings and what you just yeah. talked about, because yeah. I really like to emphasize the vocabulary of feelings. Yeah. And the fact that oftentimes in our culture, the what, what is often identified as a feeling is actually a judgment and a feeling wrapped up into one. Mm, so yeah. they're, the, they're, the, they're these statements such as I feel offended or I feel betrayed or I feel mm-hmm. insulted. Mm-hmm. And so what's happening there is really there's an underlying um, objective feeling such as I feel sad or I feel frustrated um, that's wrapped up in a thought so you mm-hmm. think that you feel these things because you think it was insulting or you think that you were being betrayed mm-hmm. or you think it was offensive that the other person said that. So that's a thoughtful a, a judgment, whereas the feeling is, is separated from that. And so oftentimes that can be the trickiest part in beginning this process is really understanding the difference. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So some MVC practitioners would call those faux feelings. Uh. <laughs> And, and in my experience, just in, in having conversations with people I've been close to, if I've been on the receiving end of that, if somebody said to me, for example, like, I feel so criticized as the person who's receiving that statement, I immediately have this like kind of defensive response, you know, like, wait a minute, I'm not criticizing you. And, um, a lot of these kind of interpretations or feelings combined with thoughts, like I feel blamed or I feel betrayed or I feel, um, unloved or I feel victimized. Like these things almost have the subtle accusatory finger pointing to the other person. Mm -hmm. Like I'm blaming you for my feeling experience. And what we want to do is liberate ourselves from that idea that other people make us feel anything. And so, yeah, getting that clarity and that distinction between the thought and the feeling is really, really valuable. I really strongly recommend if you want to practice this, you want to integrate it further, get a list of feelings and needs. There's some in um, Marshall Rosenberg's Rosenberg's book, but there's, you know, lots of them available on the, on the internet. If you Google like nonviolent communication, feelings and needs list, um, you can get a list of these, these words and just familiarize yourself with them and start to practice articulating your experience using, um, using those words as compared to maybe judgments. And And if it's uncomfortable to do with other people at first, if you have a journaling practice, it's a great way to start to explore that so yeah and i'll link to that in the show notes and Mm -hmm. 
it's I remember when I first started looking at these lists of feelings and needs, I felt uh, a little overwhelmed because it was so new. Like so many yeah. of these different words were they seem foreign um, because this stuff isn't we don't grow up with this stuff on a daily basis um, unless you're really lucky. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. uh, referring to this list so that you can you can start developing literally the skill of 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 these voc- this vocabulary it's really going to be um really going to going to assist you so let's 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 clarify that request step and then i want to get into mm-hmm. some in, into how this um relates to self in particular um mm-hmm. so how would how what would be an example of of an effective request in that say that apartment example okay. Yeah, so there are different components of of an NVC request. Um, the first thing is it needs to be specific, right? Like we need to tell them specifically what it is that we would like to see happen. It needs to be doable, so you know within the realm of possibility. Um, like I I might not ask this person to always have the room clean when I come home or something like this because. Perhaps that's not really doable. So we want it to be specific, doable, um, present, or or kind of now oriented. So if if the action isn't something that we want to have happen in this moment, for example, you said something like after dinner, um, they just need to be able to agree to the request in this moment. Is it something that they can agree to now? They might not know, you know, depending on. Um, the request, they might not be able to agree to it in the moment and need more information that might not come until a later time, if that makes sense. So we have doable, specific, present, or now. And then we really want our request to include a need. And this can be either implied or kind of understood. Um, some contexts, it, you don't need to articulate the need. But it really is helpful in making our requests, if we can be explicit about that and convey what needs we are trying to meet and having this request fulfilled as it can be inspiring to the other person it can provide clarity and understanding, um, about what it is that you're trying to accomplish and why in a way that they can understand. Um, and then the most important part is, and it's kind of, kind of an interesting, uh, piece is are you willing to hear no mm-hmm. and and that's something that it can take a while to get to depending on the request and and in our culture like or at least my experience of my culture is go 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 like do as much as you can as quickly as you can like this high value for efficiency and effectiveness which i love i really do but there are times where it might take me a while to get clear about what my needs are in a particular context before I'm ready to, to make a request. And what I mean by that is if I'm not in touch with my needs and I'm connected to the strategy, like in this example, I want the room, I want my roommate to clean up the room. That would be a strategy or a way that I would fulfill my need mm-hmm. for order, beauty, um, space, support, uh, mutuality, perhaps, depending on the relationship. And and so I want to make this separation between my needs and what I do to go about meeting my needs. This is really important, this, this distinction between needs and strategies. So keeping that in mind, this request is going to be proposing a strategy to try to meet my needs. But I want to be coming from a place where I'm grounded in my needs, not attached to a particular outcome. And you'll find that out really quickly when you make the request and the person tells you no, and then you're pissed off and, and judging them and you're making a demand. And a lot of this is just energetically, like we want to be coming from a place from an MVC consciousness where our feelings and needs matter just as much as the other person's feelings and needs, um, where there's a true sense of mutuality and non-coercion in the request. So I don't want anybody to do something for me that they don't want to be doing because both of us are going to pay for it in the long run. One is going to be probably resentment that builds up over time, but also just a loss of connection. And I really value connection. I want to experience that with especially somebody that I'm living with. So 
So to fulfill all of these different components, the specific, doable, present, includes a need, and I'm willing to hear no, that would be everything you need to make an MVC request. And sometimes you don't know if you're making a request until you hear the no, and then you find out, ooh, I wasn't really willing to hear no. I'm pissed off. So in that case, as opposed to you know pushing forward with a demand and trying to get the person to do what you want them to do, um, we would step back into what our needs are in making the request to begin with. So, wow, I really love beauty. I love order. I value efficiency and space. Um, but I also really appreciate like support and mutuality and, and my, and with the people that I live with. So if I can remember about those needs, then I can convey those to this person say, Hey, this is what's alive for me. And I would really love to find a way that, I could get my needs met that would also work for you. And and that's where the request is really the beginning of a conversation as opposed to perhaps the end of it. And that's another sign that we're not making a request. If if you hear no right. and that's the end of the conversation, it was not it was not a request. It's very unlikely to be a request. So Right. The the four stages just cycle. Because if you hear a no yeah. and then you can oh, I felt as soon as I heard you say no, I felt I noticed. Yes. That I felt frustrated. Okay, mm-hmm. now let's let's go through this again, and you can you can keep, you know, keep playing ping pong, so to speak, and, yeah. and trying to, to make progress. Um, yeah, and just knowing that that that's really key is knowing that uh, you have to be ready to say to hear no, otherwise you're oh. you're trying to force it, and then and if and if someone says yes when they don't really want it, then Ooh. that's not going to be meeting their need for authenticity and also your need very likely for authenticity because yeah. you don't want people to be doing things when they don't really want to be doing them. You want, you want there to be a, a, a shared, you know, a shared connection in, in that way. Um, mm-hmm. So that gives everyone a, a basic overview of the, of the process. And mm-hmm. if this is brand new to, to you as a listener, then a know that it t- takes time and it's always an ongoing pra- practice. And I would also mm-hmm. encourage you, to watch the YouTube video of Dr. Rosenberg um, doing a workshop in San Francisco. It's about three hours long, but if you can break it up into chunks, and that's when I really started internalizing this stuff. I'd heard about mm-hmm. the practice for several, several years, um, but not until I watched that. When I watched that video about two years ago, that was when I really got sucked into it and started uh, and got a new perspective. And so I'll link to that in the show notes as well. Um, yeah. But I want to to bring us into how this can relate to our relationship with ourselves, mm-hmm. because this is where it actually starts, and make, maybe even making requests with yourself, mm-hmm. and recognizing that you have different parts of yourselves with with whom you can communicate, mm-hmm. and so I think it's really common for people to go out th- go throughout their days, and there's all these little voices of chatter <laughs> oftentimes very very judgmental chatter about oh you need to be doing this you, you're not you're not moving fast enough or you didn't do that well enough or uh maybe even saying really harsh things like oh you're an idiot you just did that mm-hmm. um and this is i i think this is this is normalized for many people this this background noise of, of self-judgment i think there was some study about about like 70 percent of self-talk is negative. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think this is something that is worth exploring. And when we hear these voices, what, what, what strategies can we employ and what, what responses can we have um, in, in seeking to, to be your own best friend mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and recognizing that every, all these voices are actually trying to meet needs and help you mm-hmm. out. Um, and it's really easy to get in a combative relationship with these voices and almost try mm. to squash them away. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not going to be, you know, as Nathaniel Brandon talks about this this pillar of self acceptance. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about that in the show previously, um, and really being being aware of everything that's really happening and within your within your psychology and being able to address that in a healthful. Um, enriching manner so what what thoughts do you have on 
And say, say you have this voice that, that's literally calling you names. Mm -hmm. um, what, what's the best strategy to, to try to move forward? Yeah. Well, you mentioned, um, this whole idea about having parts. So that's really, really helpful. If I can take that idea that this is a part of me, um, you know, it's not all of me, but it's a part of me that has this perspective and there is a positive intention in this kind of negative narration, this ongoing negative narration has and there is an intention in there to meet my needs somehow, or it's an expression of that I'm valuing something. Something is important to this part of me. And if I can bring compassion from myself to this part, and this is where nonviolent communication becomes really invaluable because for me, it's kind of a map toward experiencing compassion. Um, you know, so we can start out with that first step of observation and just listen to this part of us. What is it? What is this part saying? So it might be, wow, Katie, you did absolutely nothing that you set out to do today. You're mm -hmm. just, you know, just despicable waste of space and you've made no progress and you probably won't even make any progress tomorrow. And, um, you know, it can, it'll just keep going. <laughs> so we can take, um, a quote there, like, You've made no progress. Okay, there's a quote that we can turn this kind of narration into. We can observe it by making it into a quote, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then when we observe that, when I hear this part of me say, you, you've made no progress, how do I feel? And like check into my body experience. Maybe there are different feelings happening kind of simultaneously, accounting for these different parts. Like the part of me that's saying that maybe feels scared, anxious, determined, frustrated, concerned. And maybe there's another part of me that's kind of taking on that whole narrative and, um, and is almost like, Oh, you know, you're right. It's true. I really am useless. And I never do anything that I actually want to do and kind of buys into the story. And then if I, if I tune into that, then how do I feel? I might feel discouraged, hopeless, um, yeah, probably those, those are the two flavors that are really standing out to me now. But if I can come from self and observe those two components of my experience, I've already made a lot of progress <laughs> as opposed to like believing it or identifying with it. So that's where you bring the observation and kind of the feeling component. And then I want to remember that these feelings that these parts of me are having are connected to needs. So the, the, Inner educator, as Marshall called it, or you might have heard it be called an, an inner critic, but this voice that's, you know, having this, this critical message, um, this part is holding concern. What, what is this part feeling concerned about? And so I can tune in and kind of almost engage in a dialogue with that part of me as if it is someone else in a sense, and just bring that curiosity and compassion and this perspective that everything we do, we do to meet a need, including judging ourselves and criticizing ourselves. And what need could it be? Well, maybe this part really wants me to be motivated, you know, and to be inspired and enthused and engaged and, and, um, to have those, that experience around, meaning and progress, or maybe it's something about security or stability. But when you really bring curiosity to that part, chances are you'll uncover some sort of need or value. And, and once you know that it can help to kind of dissolve this, um, this experience, this experience that you kind of described that isn't, um, integrative or doesn't, it's, it's, lacking in self-acceptance where you want to kind of squash this inner critic and just get rid of them, right? Like, okay, that's enough of you. I don't want to hear this. So just shut up. Well, that concern still lives inside of you. There's still some needs there that are being expressed. And so bringing that curiosity to this part and connecting to the need for, let's say it's, it's progress or effectiveness or security in this case, then, um, 
then I can start to understand maybe what's going on for that part. And it's like, okay, yeah, actually I do really value those things. Those are things that I want as well. But I'm finding out that this way of motivating myself just really isn't effective. <laughs> like it's, it's bringing up these other experiences of like feeling discouraged and hopeless. And so if I turn to that part, that's carrying that experience, I can find what needs are underneath those feelings. Like maybe one for self-acceptance could be in there or need for um, self-support or maybe I'm needing balance in other areas of my life. So um, I think it's, I think, you know, this, this process, especially if you're first starting, it's, it takes time. You know, yeah. I, I have a part of me while you were speaking, I heard this part of me chiming in like, oh man, I can't do this. This takes forever. I got to get going yeah. and accomplish things. Um, yeah. I, I know that, I mean, that's what I, that's one of the challenges I come across throughout my days is I have a very, I have a very strong value or need for, for uh, efficiency and accomplishment. Yeah. And, and I don't want to just to slow down and introspect, you know? Yeah. And so <laughs> I got to get going. I mean, one thing that like for me is like, I, I try to wake up by a certain time because I want to get things done early in the morning. Um, but then there's, I also have, a, uh, I also really value sleep. And so <laughs> there's always, there's often a conflict and then I'll start my mornings and there'll, there'll be these, these, these inner educators who are like, oh, you should be sleeping more. Oh, no, you should be getting up early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, like, we're off to the runnings. And, and then um, I think this highlights the, the need to get back to fundamentals, which is always going back to the observation. That's my mm -hmm. sort of mantra of late has been, like, I took a yoga class the other day, and, you know, oftentimes they ask you to set an intention for your yoga class. And mm -hmm. uh, my intention that I set was just notice all parts. Mm -hmm. um, not even, not even not even seek to do anything with those parts or, yeah. or have a conversation with those parts. Um, I think the first step, the very, very fundamentals is, is the observation is, is just noticing being aware, being mindful and conscious of what is actually occurring in my psychology. And that's when you can start disrupting the automaticity of your, mm. of your, of your self-talk is just, just, just be, just pause momentarily don't don't put, put pressure on yourself to go through all the whole nbc framework uh, you know just start with the observations and then and then don't, don't 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 put too much pressure on yourself and then you can maybe over over the time you can start getting curious about how can we move forward and mm -hmm. and have these conversations with self yeah a lot of this practice for me has been developing the skill of just self-observation and being in a space of like, um, I think Marshall and maybe I'm attrib falsely attributing this to him, but, um, he said something like, uh, don't just do something, stand there, you know? And that's, yeah. I kind of speaking to like not reacting or not getting into this kind of automatic habitual moving forward kind of, um, mode, but another kind of, phrase that I tell myself sometimes is to slow it down. Cause there's not, I don't have time for anything else actually. And this came kind of after a long, a lot of my life hurrying through things and then needing to spend even more time kind of untangling <laughs> all the stuff that I rushed through before. And like what, what, like choosing strategies that weren't fully connected to my needs or weren't as effective as they could have been had I taken that time to self-connect, to observe my thoughts, to really tune into all of my feelings. Maybe I was even having a feeling inside me like, ooh, something about this doesn't feel quite right, but we've got to do something. So let's move forward with it and then find out that doesn't work. So, so then I end yeah. up going through that process in the end anyway. So it's interesting how, for me, I've noticed that the practice of slowing down, which, by the way, at first it is really slow, mm -hmm. but you get, as you go for practicing with anything, you become more skillful and competent and fluid in that. And it becomes more of an automatic experience after, you know, probably years of practice, considering how long we've been operating in this other consciousness. Um but yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of this this quote if you if I had 8 hours to chop down a tree I would take 6 hours sharpening the axe. <laughs> yeah. And so I think in this in this in this mode of oh go do something you got to move forward. Uh people are often I know myself for sure 
uh, trying to chop down this tree, but the, the, the axe needs sharpening. And so it's actually not yeah. going to be as effective to try to just move forward. But when you can yeah. pause and then you're going to be taking that time to sharpen, then you're going to be more effective. It's also the same with, you know, I do a meditation practice. I try to do about five, six minutes uh, each morning. And so actually I, uh, this even happened this morning where I was, I'm like trying to, to like move forward through this morning routine I've established. And I have this manager in this part of me that's like keeping track of how much time it's going to take to do each part of this. So usually I set aside like six minutes. Okay. I, I set a timer mm -hmm. on my phone to meditate. And then there was like part of me is no, I don't have time to do six minutes. Let's do four minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then it's like, you know, they say another saying is like, if you have, if you don't have time to meditate for your, for 10 minutes then you should meditate for 20 minutes yeah <laughs> you know like uh, then i was like all right no just just let's go back to six minutes uh obviously <laughs> like <laughs> you need to just slow it down and that's going to be more beneficial in the long run um but yeah it's it's um it's not automatic stuff it's not easy no yeah and eventually i've i've been able to and not all the time but have moments of almost kind of self amusement amusement towards these yeah. parts that like kind of like you're saying the part of you that wants to shorten the the meditation it's like i i can have so much appreciation like heartfelt appreciation for these parts that like they really value effectiveness and efficiency and they really want to help us get things done and have our lives in order and it's like wow that's another thing is just appreciating these parts of us even if their strategies sometimes seem problematic or ineffective if we can acknowledge what they're trying to do for us and the value that they do bring i i found that can also bring you know shifts in my experience so yeah, that playfulness is really really important like uh just recognizing that you're gonna fail at this you know yeah. you're gonna fail that you know it goes back to one of uh, my earlier podcasts was was called be willing to look stupid uh -huh. and just go go test things out go be willing to to fall down uh and then that's how you, that's that's really how you're going to grow and so when you're mm -hmm. practicing this this language uh you're going to make mistakes uh and you can just be playful about it and and not try to be perfectionist about it mm -hmm. uh, and that's going to assist you you know just just be just be a little kid trying to ride a bike you know you you just you're guaranteed mm -hmm. to fall down and even when you have this, then even when you've been doing this for years, I, then you're still going to fall down, um, mm -hmm. especially because we live in this world in which this isn't something that you're, that everyone around you is practicing. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's like, we're almost, if you're practicing this, this really wonderful language, I think, um, it, 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 it's like you're, you're a pioneer to try to like actually name feelings. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so it just, you know, give yourself, give yourself, um, leeway and, and, and don't try to be perfect with this stuff. Um, I wanted to move on to how this can help in being honest. Mm -hmm. Um, so moving on, n not just being honest with, your, with yourself, but maybe having conversations with others as well. Mm -hmm. And Rosenberg talks about there are many nice dead people walking around <laughs> in our oh, culture yeah. who are putting, who are being polite, who are being courteous and nice, um, but at the sacrifice of, of needs and, and authenticity. Mm -hmm. um, whereas maybe the real, the real thing going on is, is actually maybe if someone's being nice, but really they feel res some resentment or they feel frustrated, but they want to live up to the standard of, of being a nice person. Mm -hmm. And so that there's a sacrificing in it, uh, of, of the honesty. And this is something I've been thinking about recently in particular, cause it's, you know, it's, I really value it and I really value honesty. I know, um, I know that it's the pathway to, to true connection with other people. It's, um, it's going to be, it's going to be life enriching in the long run. It's going to benefit me in the long run, but it often just sucks in the moment. <laughs> like mm. I, wrote, I wrote this blog post last week called honesty sucks where it just, yeah. it's just, it's, it's at least for me, it's uncomfortable. Uh, it, 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 I feel vulnerable, feel, um, 
just were worried. You know, the, 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 these different parts um, don't want to be honest. It's, it's easier to, to be pleasant, to, mm-hmm. to say what is expected, and to not really self-express and self-assert. Mm-hmm. Um, but how um, I know that NVC can, can be as- assisting in this process of really saying what's on your mind and uh, taking comfort in... In um in being honest without without getting judged because you can mm-hmm. kind of befriend befriend yourself in the process and 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 Rosenberg talks about wearing giraffe ears and and mm-hmm. really listening with big ears about what's going on within. So, how, what's your experience with with developing the the value of honesty and and integrating that with the NVC process? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, what you just said kind of reminded me of something that I heard Marshall expressed when people were asking him, like, Marshall, how did you get so much success, you know, mediating between these tribes and governments and bringing harmony to their conflicts? And he said, well, it was easy. I just never heard a single word that any of them said. And of course, people laugh about that. But that's what he means by having giraffe ears is that he heard, he didn't listen to the words that people said. He didn't listen to the judgments or the stories that they had about one another, but he listened for their feelings and needs. And so I'm saying this because when it comes to kind of radical honesty or um, authentic self-expression, there's a difference between, well, yeah, there's two different things that are coming up. Well, two different threads. One is we could be radically honest about our judgments, right? We could say, I think you are a stinky doo-doo head. (laughs) And (laughs) maybe that's an honest expression of our judgments, but um, we could also be honest, radically honest about our observations and our feelings and our needs. And doing that as opposed to being honest about our judgments, Mm. one, it's, it's a more accurate... Um, I think authentic um, account of our experience if we're conveying our observations, feelings, and needs as opposed to our judgments and thoughts. And the other person's more likely to be able to hear those things. You know, it's, it's more likely they'll be able to hear you, you know, as opposed to interpret what you say in, in some way that stimulates pain in them. And And the other thing is, if we have our giraffe ears on, and we're radically honest. Maybe we express an observation, feeling, and need in this very vulnerable way about something intimate with someone we're close to and we're afraid about how they might respond. And let's say we've had kind of a relationship pattern going on for several years where the same thing comes up, but I'm trying this new thing of NBC, but they might still have their jackal ears on no matter how much we're speaking in giraffe. So... So that's where our giraffe ears can come in handy is being prepared in our authentic self-expression in being honest to remember um, the other person's feelings and needs and how they respond as opposed to hearing their judgments as some rejection of us or making it mean something else. Um, So that's one component. The other is like continuing this compassionate process with the parts of ourselves that are afraid to be vulnerable or afraid to be really authentic and listen into those concerns that those parts might have, that I won't be accepted. I won't be loved. Maybe there's beliefs that we carry, you know, like we're, Mm -hmm. we're inherently unlovable. Um, there's all kinds of things that we carry around with us that affect how we experience things. So, so being aware of that and then bringing compassion to it from within ourselves um, can really empower us to be able to be more authentic in our expression because suddenly it matters less how other people respond. Not that we don't care, but we're not in the space of receiving their judgments as truths about us or as striking the chords of our self-limiting beliefs. Um, but we can hear however they respond as an expression of their feelings and of their needs. And so those are some things that have been helpful. And then just trying it out, you know, like (laughs) practicing 
saying something I feel scared to say and having a meta, this is another piece is like having a meta conversation about the conversation. So say there's something I want to express and I'm scared to articulate this. Hmm. I found it so helpful just to tell that person that like, whoa, I feel really nervous right now because I, there's something alive in me I want to share with you. And I'm concerned it's going to lead to disconnection between us. And I just really value our friendship. And I don't want to experience that, but I want to be honest at the same time. So this is my experience right now. And a lot of people know what that feels like. And so that can even bring some more openness, you know, from, from their side to what you're expressing. If you you're that honest and present. And that's the other thing is like, I could be honest about these ideas that I want to tell you in the future, but if I'm somehow acting like I'm totally cool with being this vulnerable and I'm like really freaked out, they could sense that kind of incongruence. Um, perhaps so goes back yeah. to getting to, to the fundamentals. Just if you're not sure where to start, just start with the present. Wow. Yeah. Right now I'm feeling nervous. Yes. Okay. Right now you just started down the train of honesty. Yes. And then maybe that can lead to something else. Um, it, it's easier said than done, but if you can just become present in, in the moment about what's, what's, what is my body telling me? Like mm-hmm. becoming an observer of the physiology and mm-hmm. then that can once you get the ball rolling, then you can start. Then you can start facilitating that that conversation, and and and, and speak speak more honestly. Overall, um, yeah, I love that idea of just not hearing, like not listening to their words. <laughs> like, I just, just don't, don't take like everything they're saying. Nope, that's not doesn't matter. Just what, just getting curious about what is it they really mean. Um, yeah. And recognizing that they're likely not utilizing this this vocabulary of needs, and so the 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 words they're choosing, um, they're really trying to convey something else. And um, yeah, and just and just so the listener knows, the giraffe ears concept just it just oh, goes yeah. back to the fact that giraffes have the biggest heart, and so when you wear these really big ears, and and be, have compassion about what's going on with the other person or what's what's inside of you and, and just being being there because maybe you feel maybe there's a part of you that feels uncomfortable vulnerable in being honest but if you can turn these giraffe ears inward and 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 recognize to this part and, and almost have a little conversation with your, that part it's like hey I, you know I, I i know that you want security and safety and and comfort and ease and but, but just know that i'm i'm here to, i'm here for you and we can we can also meet this honesty need as well, and just developing that self compassion. Um, I think this also relates to not taking things personally, and I want to, but I want to sort of maybe provide a a, a potential criticism of NVC that that might that might come up often. Um, that I know that I've been, I've been trying to work out per, myself mm-hmm. is is this idea of of say someone is actually bullying you since someone is intimidating you they're you, they're using these strategies that are that are um putting you down in your again those those are those are all judgments but mm-hmm. if you are viewing some if you are viewing a situation where you think that you're you're um getting bullied um the criticism i have would that I'm curious to to hear your response is, okay, so I'm supposed to just let myself get bullied and let this person speak this mm-hmm. way to me and not actually defend myself. I can, I'm just going to let, mm-hmm. I'm just going to not take anything personally and yeah. it's all good. They, they don't really mean it. They don't really mean it. They can just say whatever they want and I'm not yeah. going to hear that. Um, they don't actually mean that and I don't have to try to counteract that. Yeah. So, Right. So, it, yeah, what comes up for me is NVC is a tool that I have in a whole box filled with other tools. So it can, I can tell myself that I should practice NVC all the time with everybody. But the fact of the matter is I might not want to work it out with every cashier or, you know, extended family member or perhaps a bully. So there's no place in NVC where we're telling people that they should practice NVC. Just to 
Yeah. That can be kind of like this implicit thing, like, oh, I want to do this in every single relationship that I have with every single person, regardless of how they show up. So just to put that out there that you can choose to look at things this way or not. And it can be helpful if I'm looking at somebody who is engaging in these really tragic um, strategies of what we might interpret as bullying. Um, it can be helpful for me to understand that this is a person in pain, that they're doing the best that they can to meet their needs. But that doesn't necessarily change the situation and their circumstance. I might have a need for safety, for example, or like dignity, self-respect that I want to have fulfilled. And so something about just changing the way I think about this other person does seem inherently like dissatisfactory to the parts of me that are like, hey, I can't let this guy get away with this, you know? Um, uh, there is a need for, for dignity and self-respect and boundaries. And I think that that's the other thing that we didn't talk about is there is a time where I'm not willing to hear no, and it's not a demand. And that would be a boundary. And in NVC, a boundary is about what I am willing or not willing to do, not about what someone else is allowed or not allowed to do. So it still keeps me in the realm of not trying to control other people or change what they're doing, but it brings an awareness to my power of what, like, what can I do in this situation? Can I leave? Can I use the protective use of force in this case? Um, can I get support from other people in, uh, in the environment that I'm in? But yeah, stepping out of, um, like, I don't want to let go of my needs or sit on my needs and kind of do, uh, almost like a spiritual bypass on, <laughs> on a situation that is, recurring and ongoing. And so one, it can change my experience of this person that we might call a bully and, and have compassion for them. But I want to do that in the space where my feelings and needs are still mattering and that I'm still taking care of those things. And so, um, that might not look like trying to have a dialogue with that person. If they're not interested in having connection with me or meeting my need for respect, it might be that I'm making a boundary. I'm not willing to talk to this person. I'm not willing to relate to them. Um, and so I guess that's what I have to say just initially about it. It would be probably, and this is where it can be kind of challenging to apply NBC to these like broader ideas of like bullying or racism or um, because they're not specific observations yet even though, yes, we kind of have this idea about what that is. Um, yeah. But in like a very specific context, it might be easier to say how you might apply that. Um, but again, it's it comes down to the needs. Like this person is in pain and they have needs and I'm in pain and I have needs. Yeah. Does it make sense for us to work together to get our needs met? Maybe not. It might be a case where, hey, I've got a boundary. I'm not willing to relate to you. I'm going to do something else or I'm going to, I'm going to get support. I'm going to use a protective use of force in this case, but I'm not ever advocating for a world where we just like infinitely empathize with behaviors that are, would be like sacrificing our needs, you know, and, and would be harmful to people and the, and their well being that we just have this, um, kind of complacent compassion. That's, and, and this is not, for me, kind of like a pacifist stance, it's very much like, no, I, I, um, I'm peaceful. I'm not going to punish you, but I'm not going to tolerate, you know, you affecting my needs in a way that doesn't work for me. Right, right. It's, it's not self-sacrificing. It's, it's facilitating the win-win interaction. Yeah. Or, yeah. You want, like, it's useful to be able to extend empathy and, and guess, what the underlying feelings and needs are behind someone that you interp are interpreting as as bullying you. I, I think that's mm -hmm. a useful thing to do. Yeah. But it's not a. It's not an obligatory thing to do. Yeah. And B. Uh, you you got to be watching out for yourself too, and and empathizing with yourself, and 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 making sure that you're meeting your own needs, and you're in charge of that. No one else is in charge of meeting your own needs. Mm -hmm. Um. So you, you always have the the choice. To, to walk away from a situation or, or, or not or not utilize this language 
You know, mm-hmm. I think that's one area where, I, you know, I, in my beginning stages of learning this, that I, I, I've had some swings and misses, so to mm-hmm. speak, where, like, okay, I need to, I need to extend this empathy and compassion, um, but then almost, almost doing it slightly self-sacrificially. Yeah. Um, because I know, that, oh, that's, that's a kind thing. It almost goes back to these messages of like being a, mm. a good person or, um, Almost being like, again, even being a nice person, like, oh, I'm going to be the person who's going to extend empathy to other people. Yeah. Um, but if that's getting in the way of your need for space and boundaries and choice, mm-hmm. then you're actually not um, employing the, the, the communication in the, in the best way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, some of that is like, I, I grew up learning that good girls don't get angry. And so... Right. Uh, come to, you know, discover that anger can be a really powerful motivator for like having healthy and effective boundaries if you separate that energy from the judgments. And, and so when it came to saying no, or, or, um, you know, a situation where maybe someone else's needs were being met and mine were not being met, I would kind of do the thing even after learning MVC because I wasn't fully conscious that this kind of program is running in the background of good girls don't get angry, good girls don't get angry. So it's it's the it's the good thing to do to have compassion for this other person. I can understand why they would be like this. I could understand why they would do that. And this whole time not really being in touch with when my needs and aren't getting met and and so for me, uncovering that belief or that message that I got from the culture and then giving myself permission to experience anger and even to hear fully my judgments. And that's a, that's another interesting thing about mm. learning this is that we can kind of like, okay, judgment's bad, feelings and needs good. But then again, we're like in judgment already doing that. <laughs> <Right>. So <laughs> So even in my beginning practice of this, I was trying to be so mindful of my judgments that I almost like tried to disown them or eradicate them. Whereas I found later in my practice that tuning in and really fully listening to those judgments is invaluable to telling me about what needs are alive for me. And that's, again, I think just coming into listening to the inner critic, listening to the parts of us that are afraid to be honest. Um, really just giving for me, like allowing myself the space to have judgments and to, and to, be angry was important. It was an important part of an MVC, um, practice for me. So I don't know if that doesn't really seem to get talked about that much, but yeah. Oh, this is so, yeah, this is so important. Uh, this, yeah, it, it just, uh, it all goes back to the theme of this podcast, which is to go, to go back within your sphere of control and within your own psyche. And to, yeah. to, like you can make, you can do so much to facilitate these 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 conversations with yourself to help create more harmonious relationships with which can then exponentially that can start growing out into building a better world um mm. you like you can start we have so much power to, yeah. to start developing this vocabulary and connecting with yourself and living more in harmony in your own life and that's that that emanates into the rest of the world and so i, I hope that people can get can uh, hear that message of, of just how much room there is. I mean, I know for me, like, there's, like I, I, this conversation has been really enriching to like can inspire me to continue to do this so that I can, I can keep on uh, developing my authenticity and developing my personal power. Um, anyway, so thank you so much for this conversation. I want to give you the opportunity to inform the, the audience of, uh, where they can learn more about you or any of your projects you're up to? Sure. So, um, yeah, first of all, like this has been super fun. I really enjoyed connecting with you about these ideas. I find them really inspiring and, uh, it's what I love to do most with my time. And that's what I do here in Detroit. Um, and also out in New York, um, with the New York center for nonviolent communication, Metro Detroit, nonviolent communication. I have a coaching practice, Um, so if you want support in integrating this in your life, I work one-on-one or with couples. Um, and also I teach groups, I do workshops and intensives. Um, so if there's something that you want to learn that has anything to do with 
NVC and parts, I would love to support you. You can find me at mdnvc.org or you can just look me up on Facebook, Katie Testa. Katie Testa.